you do if you hired a nanny to watch your baby boy? She was a very nice girl, very responsible, and you couldn't wait for her to start. But over time, you start having some issues with her. She's missing curfew, she's late watching the kids, and you've had enough. You tell her that she has one last chance to get it together, and she listens to you. But little do you know, the decision to keep her around will have dire consequences. Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive, where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're new, welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you, and thank you for coming back to take another deep dive into crime with us. In our episode description, we have my email for any business inquiries, the links to my TikTok and Instagram, as well as a link to help us out over here at Crime Dive. And we have our general case request form, as well as a special connections form. If you want to request a case that you would like to hear, or if you want to contact me about the case of a family member. Today, we are going to be talking about the very tragic case of the death of baby Matthew E. I do want to give a trigger warning. This case is highly upsetting because we are speaking about the death of a very young child. So if that's something that may be upsetting to you or that you may not want to hear, I suggest you probably just skip this video. This case was really big in the late 90s and a lot of people are very split about what they believe really happened. And I really want to know what you guys think at the end of this episode. But with that, Let's get right into the case. Matthew Epen was born on May 24th, 1996 in Newton, Massachusetts. His parents' names were Debbie and Sunil, and he had an older brother named Brendan. Debbie and Sunil picked Matthew's name because it means gift from God and he truly, truly was. Debbie Epen was an ophthalmologist and Sunil Epen was an anesthesiologist. They were both very successful people and they had great careers. But what comes with that, especially when you have two kids, is that you're oftentimes very busy. They decided that they wanted to hire a nanny to look after their children while they were at work. And they hired live-in nanny, 18-year-old Louise Woodward. So let's talk about Louise Woodward a little bit. She came to America in 1996 from England and she really wanted to come to America because she just wanted to experience a different kind of life. She was from a very sleepy town. She had just graduated high school. She wanted to take a gap year in between going to college and really explore America. And she found out through a friend that if you join an au pair nanny agency, you can live in America with the family for free as long as you work as their live-in nanny. Louise said, this is perfect. She's watched kids before. By all accounts she was said to be a very lovely trustworthy very nice girl so it wasn't hard for her to find a family to work for in america now when louise went to america she actually worked for a different family before working for the epens and things were going pretty well but the family started to have some issues with her mostly because she really liked to stay out late as i said louise really wanted to come to America because she was from a very small town and there were just a lot of things that she hadn't experienced yet. So she would go to the theater, she would go to bars and clubs and hang out, but she would oftentimes miss the curfew that the family set for her to come home. And she would be up late the next morning watching the kids. They just got really tired of it. So Louise decided that she wanted to go work for another family that was a little bit closer to the city so that way she could get back to their house in time for the curfew. And this is when she came across the Epens. They lived much closer to the city. It was a little bit more of a convenient location and she really liked the Epens and the Epens liked her. So she started to work with them and she began watching baby Matthew and their other son, Brendan. But over time, just within the matter of a few weeks, the Epens family started having the same problem with Louise. 
She would stay out past curfew. She was late getting up to watch the kids in the morning and they were just fed up with it. By January of 1997, the following year, Louise was pretty much on the outs with the Epen family. They gave her one last chance and they said, if you're late again, coming in past curfew, not watching the kids, then you are fired. And she knew that being fired meant she was gonna have to leave America, which she did not wanna do. So she had to get it together real quick. But little did the Epens know what tragedy lie ahead. On February 4th, 1997, Louise was home watching baby Matthew and Brendan, who was two and a half at the time, while Debbie and Sunil were at work. But around 3.45 p.m., a 911 call was placed by Louise from their home, saying that Matthew was unconscious and barely breathing. Hold this, um, a baby, called Debbie at work to let her know what was going on and Debbie called Sunil to let him know that baby Matthew was on the way to Children's Hospital. Of course everybody went to the hospital and they wanted to figure out what in the world was going on. Doctors found out that Matthew was having swelling in his brain so they had to perform emergency surgery to relieve the pressure. After this they put him in a medically induced coma because he couldn't breathe on his own and they wanted to wait for the swelling to go down. But as they started to monitor Matthew they realized that what happened to him might not have been an accident given his injuries. First of all, his brain was not just swelling, it was also bruised, as if it had been hit by something. And they also noticed a two and a half inch crack on the back of his skull, which is not a normal injury on anybody, let alone a baby. And it was this crack in the back of his skull that seemed to be causing the bruising and the swelling in his brain. But probably the most telling piece of evidence that something seriously wrong had happened was the fact that baby Matthew had bleeding in his eyes. And Debbie, being an ophthalmologist who specializes in eye care, as soon as she heard this, she knew what happened to him. She said that Louise had shaken her baby and given Matthew shaken baby syndrome. Shaken baby syndrome is a type of brain injury that happens when a baby or a young child is shaken violently. The brain can bounce back and forth against the skull, cause bleeding, bruising, or swelling of the brain, as well as bleeding in the eyes. And Debbie just knew that something was wrong. But why would Louise have shaken baby Matthew? The hospital staff decided to call the police to come to the hospital and investigate what had happened. So the police decided to question Louise and asked her to recount the events of the day leading up to baby Matthew being in the hospital. And she told them that that morning he had been very cranky and fussy and crying a lot, which wasn't like him. And she said that per Debbie's request, she gave Matthew a bath before she put him down for his nap. And they asked her, when you gave him a bath, how were you with him? And she said, I gently put him down on the floor, dried him off, picked him up, got him dressed, and then I put him in his crib. She said she went back to check on him a little while later and that's when she found that he was unresponsive. So she immediately picked him up and he threw up and she noticed that he was barely breathing. So she tried to give him CPR. At that moment she said she wanted to call Sunil but she was too nervous to dial the numbers on the pager. So she just decided to call 911. I looked into the crib and um, he was unresponsive. He was um he was lying there, um, his eyes were half closed, he wasn't focusing, and, and he was um, gasping for breath.
Police paid attention to the fact that Luis made it very clear that Matthew was being fussy and crying that morning. And they figured that this may have been a motive for why she shook him. Maybe Luis was very angry. Maybe she was frustrated because Matthew wasn't normally like that. So she didn't have the patience to deal with it. The following day on February 5th, police felt like they had enough evidence to formally arrest and charge Louise Woodward with child abuse. So that happened very fast. It literally only took them a day to do this. But I mean, given baby Matthew's injuries and the fact that Louise was the only person there when they seemed to have happened, who else could have done it? The prosecution believed that Louise shook Matthew out of frustration because he wouldn't stop crying. They also believed that this crack from his skull came from her slamming him down on the bathroom floor after his bath. On February 9th, four days after Louise was arrested, baby Matthew was still in a coma and he was on a ventilator. He had suffered such severe brain damage, it was clear that he was not going to recover from his injuries. So his family had to make the very difficult decision to take him off life support. And at just nine months old, baby Matthew passed away. To make such a difficult decision for your child period before a baby, that has to be one of the worst pains that a parent could ever feel. But unfortunately, they knew that there was no way Matthew could survive. And after he passed away, Louise's charge was upgraded from child abuse to first degree murder. The public really couldn't believe that Louise was responsible for Matthew's death in the way that the police believed she was because she looked like such a nice little girl. She looked so innocent. She seemed so sweet. People couldn't believe that she would do something like this. But I mean, there's a lot of people who don't seem like they would do something that they have. Look at Ted Bundy. He was very charming. He was very nice, very sweet, which is why he was able to rope in so many victims. He seemed very trusting and he was a serial killer. You can seem like one thing and be completely different on the inside. But nonetheless, a lot of people were still on Louise's side. I mean, she even had support groups and not just in England, but in America as well. And some people were even going on to blame the Epen family for even keeping Matthew in Louise's care in the first place, which is insane. I mean, how is it their fault that they trusted somebody to watch their child and keep their child alive and do their job? That's insane. They weren't there. They had no idea that that could have possibly happened. So to blame them for that while they're still grieving the loss of their child is awful. The trial began on October 7th of 1997 in Cambridge, Massachusetts, just eight months after baby Matthew died. And this case was a really big deal. I mean, given the details of it, a baby who has passed away and a possible killer nanny, I mean, people just could not get enough of this crazy, tragic story. Louise's defense team argued that whatever happened to Matthew was simply an accident that may have been caused by a prior brain injury, which I will get into. Now, Louise had a pretty high-powered defense attorney on her team, and his name was Barry Sheck, and he actually worked on the defense team for O.J. Simpson. Now, anybody who got O.J. Simpson off must be good, because I think we all have the same opinion about him. Her team focused on the fact that maybe Matthew's injury was possibly old and hadn't occurred on February 5th, the day Louise was watching him. They argued that his brain actually wasn't swollen enough for the injury to have occurred that day. They argued that the swelling was actually going down, meaning that this injury had to have been old. An expert neuropathologist on the defense side also said that there was no injury to baby Matthew's scalp, meaning that the injury was internal and not external. So how could Louise have slammed baby Matthew down on the ground if there was no injury to the back of his head externally? But doesn't that sound like shaken baby syndrome? I always thought shaken baby syndrome was just an internal injury, but I don't know. 
He also found signs that Matthew's brain injury was actually healing, which wouldn't have been apparent if the injury had occurred recently. There would have been no signs of healing when he passed away if the injury was still fresh. So they're arguing that Louise did not cause the injury, that baby Matthew got hurt weeks before and that maybe Luis did something minor that could have caused his brain to re-bleed and become injured again, which resulted in his death. But they said that it could have been anything minor that maybe Luis wouldn't have even realized she was doing. And as Luis said, Matthew was very cranky that day. So maybe something small happened that caused his brain to become re-injured, which is why he was being so out of character because she said he was fussy, cranky, he wouldn't eat, he just wanted to sleep. And maybe that could have been what happened because brain injuries can cause changes in behavior. But the prosecution argued there was no way that baby Matthew would have been living normally with a two and a half inch crack in his skull. It just didn't make any sense to them. They said that his injuries were caused that day and that Louise was the one who did it out of anger or frustration for the fact that baby Matthew was being fussy. Now in a surprise twist, Louise actually ended up taking the stand in her own defense, which a lot of people say, and I know I've said this before, is a very risky move. Because once you get on the stand, the other side can ask you whatever they want, but they can pretty much tear your entire testimony apart. So sometimes it's best to just let the evidence do the talking and to not go on the stand if you're on trial. But Louise was bound and determined that she was innocent and that she did nothing wrong. So she wanted to go on the stand and speak about it against her team's advice. Now she admitted that she could have been a little more gentle with baby Matthew, but she said she was trying to hurry up and get his bath done because he was fussy and he really wanted to go to sleep. So she was moving a little bit quicker and more in a rush than she normally would. But she said that she didn't do anything crazy to hurt him. She said she didn't hit him. She didn't slap him or slam him at all, but she admitted to lightly shaking and tossing him in order to get him to stop crying. I started screaming his name. And I was clapping around his head and I was trying to see if he could see me and I was waving my hand in front of his face and when he wouldn't respond to me I, um, I lifted him up and I shook him gently. And could you demonstrate to the jury with your own hands now how you shook him? What reason do you have to shake a baby, even if it is light? Probably the most interesting part of Louise's testimony was towards the end, when an attorney on her own team asked her a question and he said, did you slam Matthew Eben? And when he asked the question, his voice actually shook with emotion because he was very upset to even have to ask this. I mean, we are talking about a nine month old baby boy who has passed away. His emotions slightly overtook him a little bit during this question. But as Louise heard the question and when she decided to answer it, she kind of laughed a little bit. And you just slam Matthew Eaton? No. And no, did you do anything to hurt Matthew Eaton? No, I didn't. Now, maybe she thought her defense attorney was laughing, which is why she kind of chuckled back. But I don't know why you would think he was laughing or telling a joke, asking a question like that. So when she responded, with a slight giggle. Now, a lot of people noticed this and they were like, well, that's interesting. I mean, why would she giggle at a question like that? And the defense was hoping that that didn't ruin their chances of winning the case. Both sides decided to give their closing arguments as the trial ended, where the defense was focusing more on science and Matthew's injuries and the fact that there was no way in their eyes that Louise could have caused the injury because it was old given the evidence. But the prosecution, they were focusing more on the emotional side because keep in mind, a child has passed away. Somebody did it and the only person who was there 
was Louise. They were definitely trying to drive home this point to the jury and really tug at their heartstrings. Defense attorney Barry Sheck was very nervous. By October 30th, 1997, the verdict was in and the jury found 19 year old Louise Woodward guilty of second degree murder, which carries an automatic life sentence with the possibility of parole after 15 years in the state of Massachusetts. Number 97, 433-001, Commonwealth versus Louise Woodward. Is the defendant guilty or not guilty? Guilty. Guilty of what? Guilty of murder in the second degree. Members of the jury, how could the verdict as recorded by the court? The jurors on their vote do say that the defendant is guilty of second degree murder. So say you, Madam Foreperson? Yes. So say you all, members of the jury? Yes. yes. You may be seated. As soon as Louise heard this, she absolutely broke down in the courtroom. She just began uncontrollably crying, asking the jury why they did that to her, saying that she didn't do anything. I mean, she was shell-shocked. that Louise was actually found guilty of this. A lot of people believe that she didn't do it and she believes that she didn't do it either. The public was definitely very surprised and outraged at the fact that this 19 year old girl who seemed so sweet and so nice was being given a life sentence. Any doubt whatsoever that, that a jury couldn't possibly bring in a verdict of guilty yet they have disbelief. This is a fight now, a fight to get my friend home and we will do everything to help Louise, to help her family. Now, of course, the Epen family was relieved because they felt like Matthew was finally getting the justice he deserved. I mean, their child is gone and they knew that somebody was responsible for it. And they believed that that person was Louise. And so did the jury. But the prosecution was a little bit worried that the judge in the case, Hiller Zobel, was going to overturn the conviction. They had been hearing rumblings that he did not agree with the jury's decision. And they were starting to get pretty worried that Louise might be set free. In the state of Massachusetts, a judge is allowed to throw out a conviction if he doesn't agree with it. Now this is pretty rare to do, but Judge Hiller had actually done this twice already. So it wasn't that far off for him to do again. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. He ended up throwing out Louise's second degree murder conviction due to lack of evidence. He dropped her charge down to involuntary manslaughter, which carries a sentence between either parole or a maximum of 20 years. So people were waiting to see what Louise would get sentenced with because at first she got a life sentence and now she could possibly get as little as parole. And you know what the judge did? He ended up releasing Louise on time served. She had served nine months in jail awaiting the trial and the judge just decided to let her go. Selecting the sentence here, I do not denigrate Matthew Ethan's death nor his family's grief. It is in my judgment time to bring the judicial part of this extraordinary matter to a compassionate conclusion. I regard a proper sentence to be 279 days in the House of Correction. Now, people were very outraged by this decision. Some people agreed with it because they thought that Luis was innocent, but others felt like maybe they didn't have enough evidence for second degree murder, but to just let her go was a little bit wild. I mean, there is still a child who passed away and you did say that she was responsible for his death, but yet you let her go after only nine months? 
Debbie and Sunil were heartbroken by this decision because they felt like the person who killed their child just got to walk free and live a normal life while their child is gone. And I couldn't imagine at this time hearing people on the news cheer for and support the person who was responsible for the death of your child while they're pointing the finger at you, blaming you for leaving with her in the first place. They were probably going through so much at the time while also grieving such a horrible loss. After Louise was freed from prison, she was deported back to England. They believed that now that the case was over, there was no reason for her to be there anymore. In 1998, the year after the trial, she sat down and did an interview with BBC's Martin Bashir, where she continued to maintain her innocence that she had nothing to do with baby Matthew's death. And to this day, she still maintains her innocence that she did nothing wrong. As of today, Louise is 45 years old and in 2014, she welcomed a daughter with her husband and she's just maintaining a very quiet life. Debbie and Sunil decided to start the Matthew Eaton Foundation, which brings awareness to shaken baby syndrome and child abuse and what signs to look out for if you believe that your child is being abused. Of course, they're still shattered by the death of their child and I cannot imagine the hurt that they had to have been going through, especially with the roller coaster of the trial and the fact that Louise was freed after only nine months, even after being found to be responsible for baby Matthew's death. But it's really good that they're deciding to start a foundation in order to possibly prevent this happening to other families. Comment below and let me know what you think. Do you think Louise was guilty? Do you think she did it on purpose? Do you think it was just an accident? Do you think that her conviction should have been overturned and that she should have been released so soon? Comment below, let me know what you think. But with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up today's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank Thank you so much for listening and watching and I hope to see you in the water soon.